SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Thanks, Greg. Almost five minutes after six o'clock, Hilton Tarrant and Guggeletto and Fupi with you on this Friday evening. A reminder of our SMS line 34701 with the keyword market. That's 34701. Use the keyword market at a cost of two rand per SMS for your share and investment related questions. First up, as always, Guggeletto has your business news and this in business today is brought to you by Westbank. If you need an instant answer to your business asset finance application, then apply online at westbank.co.za. Thanks, Hilton. Good evening. Holdings of APSA's platinum-backed exchange-traded fund have risen above half a million ounces just 10 weeks after its launch, accounting for a quarter of all global platinum ETF reserves. The fund, which launched in April this year, has seen strong interest despite a relatively poor performance in the spot platinum price, which is down 13% this year with investors opting for physical exposure to the metal rather than miners. And Trade and Industry Minister Rob Davies has launched the Local Content Verification Office in Midrand today, which will ensure that all government departments procure locally produced products and and services only from suppliers that meet the minimum requirements. The office was launched in partnership with the South African Bureau of Standards, which will provide quality assurance and verification. Both parties say the office is geared towards the procurement of local goods in a bid to boost the local economy. Looking at the market performance now, the JSE All Share Index is closed up in red territory, uh, down by more than 2% today at 39,169 points. The rand's trading at 10 rand 18 to the US dollar, 15.15 to the pound, and 13 rand 6 cents against the euro. Gold trading at $1,214 an ounce, a barrel of Brent crude oil at $107, and the platinum price at $1,315 an ounce. Thanks, Gugu. This in business today was brought to you by Westbank. If you need an instant answer to your business asset finance application, then apply online at westbank.co.za. What would an instant answer to an asset finance application mean for your business? Could it be the difference between moving and shaking or just sitting and waiting? Apply for business asset finance at westbank.co.za and get an instant answer. T's and C's apply. West Bank. We know how. A division of First Rand Bank Limited, an authorized financial services and credit provider. Or speak to your affiliated dealer. MoneyWeb Market Watcher is proudly brought to you by the Graduate School of Business and Leadership at UKZN, shaping business leaders in Africa. Seven after six, as Gugu said earlier, Wayne McCurry of Momentum Wealth with us on this Friday evening. Wayne, this afternoon, there was one of two ways that markets could go. If the U.S. jobs number was lower than expected, was bad, bad, markets would have rallied. If uh, the U.S. jobs number was good, which Which it it was, was, emerging markets got pummeled. Yeah, emerging markets got pummeled. So it goes back to the old saying where good news is bad news and bad news is even more bad news. So what happened is good employment data out of the U.S., but, but really good data, and they revised the previous month's data, also up by 70-odd thousand. So everyone said, wow, the U.S. is just a fantastic place to be. I'm going to sell money in every other destination that I've got money, and I'm taking it to the United States, and I'm buying the dollar. Not necessarily buying the share market much, but just buying dollar assets, cash-in-the-bank bonds, and emerging markets, specifically South Africa, got pummeled. But so did European markets. Mm. I mean, the DAX, the, the German market, also down 2-odd percent. So everything non-dollar just 
took a hiding today. And with that withdrawal, obviously uh, the rand dollar exchange rate, yes. in fact the rand uh, weakening across the board, but specifically the rand dollar, which shows the strength, uh, 1.5% weaker on the back of yeah. that. We were around about the 10 rand level, now all the way up to 10.17. Yeah. Look at also, look at platinum, look at gold, look at silver. Even even some of the agricultural commodities have come down quite dramatically in dollar terms. But the big losers there is gold and platinum. I mean, they got golds approaching a thousand two hundred dollars an ounce again. And uh, I mean, literally right across the board, everything took strain. There wasn't one share out of the top forty that was in the green. It was up today. Kevin Ling's economist at Stanlib, uh, puts uh, gives us some perspective. Uh, he he uh, posted this on Twitter earlier. The U.S. lost 8.7 million jobs during the crisis. It was losing about 350,000 jobs a month, and obviously that crisis was very compact. It didn't, yes. it didn't go on for, for years and years. They have since regained 6.6 million jobs, including today's data. Yeah. Look, the U.S., no matter what you might think about the debt and the overall state of the economy, is it has it seen its best? Is it in decline, etc.? The U.S. economy is relative is actually fairly unique in the world, in that it can take pain when it has to. So, in the U.S., if you've got to sh- sh- uh, uh, get rid of five, six, seven, eight million jobs, they just go quickly. Whereas in Europe and everywhere, everyone tries to preserve jobs. It's such a political thing. Companies aren't allowed to do what they want to do, and we see that in South Africa as well. Whereas in the U.S., if you've got to take pain, they will take pain, and then obviously you, you go back to a slightly firmer footing and off you go. But, uh, Hilton, I think there's a couple of things to mention here. The U.S. is not embarking on a new growth spurt. Eh? They're just coming off a very low base. So growth can be reasonable. It can be 2, 2.5, maybe even 3%, but it's not going back to 5. So laugh that one off. So the U.S. is not the world's new growth engine. It's just coming off a very, very low base. The second thing is tapering this withdrawal of the free money is going to end. It has to end because it in itself is abnormal. So it's coming. So you're going to hear more news about that. Europe will eventually improve. So it's not just the United States. Europe will get a little bit better, but maybe the... Fourth item is the most important for all the listeners. There's still too much liquidity around to get a true collapse in emerging markets. But they're not going up until China shows better data, until Chinese economy. It doesn't have to get much better. It must just stabilize. But, of course, it doesn't help that today. You know the old story about Chinese accounting. Today they say, well, they're just not going to release certain data. Mm. They're just not going to do it. Because what can a government, what can a communist government do? What they like. Well, let's quickly go back to uh, the, the gold uh, index also taking a 4% knock today, as well as gold shares. We see Anglo Gold at a 52-week low today, as well as other gold stocks, DRD Gold, Vits Gold down by 20%, as well as Sibanye Gold. It's uh, This as well, coupled together with the uh, mining unrest and the labor unrest in particular, those talks that have been none going on for are. weeks and weeks and weeks, can't really be good news as well as you no, said, the foreign investors. Look, the, the, the rand price of gold peaked at about 15,000 rand an ounce, it's now almost 12,000 rand an ounce. At 12,000 rand an ounce, I doubt if the SA gold mining industry as a whole is even, is, 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 I, I don't think they're breaking even on an on-mine cash basis. You know, normally what will happen is you'll carry on mining because it will contribute, you'll get positive cash flow from mining, but then your capital expenditure and your interest payments and all the other overheads choose it up, but it still pays you to carry on mining because it's contributing positively. Now it's contributing negatively. So every day, as we stand now, 
every day an SA gold mine opens its doors, well, they don't, they work 24 hours, but every day they're actually in a worse situation than what they were the day before. So, if this continues, if this is what we're going to have for the next month or three or four or five, we are going to get extremely bad news out of the mining industry. Platinum's the same. So, we are going to see... Shafts are going to be shut, jobs are going to be lost, and of course, as you mentioned, we've got this whole... Now, it's interesting, um, the National Union of Mine Workers is going on strike at De Beers Mines, mm. because they're demanding a 13%, and De Beers wants to offer 6 But I must say, 13% looks quite reasonable in relation to 60 and 100. <laughs> mm. Very true, very true. Yeah. But I guess that well, maybe that's the, the psychology. That's the, that's, the, that's the way you do it, you know, if... if if you settle for 13, it's only twice the inflation rate. You know, it's better than 10 times the inflation rate or 15 times the inflation rate. But I guess this will also encourage a lot of investors to look into the ETFs and investing in the, the, the metal above the ground instead of in mining it's companies. It's quite possible. I saw this thing about the APSA. Why is the price plummeting if people are buying the ETF? I don't understand it. The price should be going up. I mean, they've got 500,000 ounces in there, which is, which is a lot. Eh? Hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's quite, quite big. But yet the platinum price, it's going to that 1,300 mark now. And you must remember, everything goes in cycles. Not that many years ago, people were talking platinum 3,000 and gold 3,000. And you know, now, now you're going Not to hear talk 1,000. Well, just to close off with a, a 52-week high on the market for Group 5. And we've seen a couple of the construction stocks, Maybe because they're, they're coming off a, a very low base, slowly, slowly posting these, yeah. these incremental highs. Yeah, look, look, the good ones will eventually recover because they're not going to – there will eventually be capital expenditure in the country again. Although I think that's the next little mini bombshell the government's going to have to drop on our laps. They, they just cannot afford that capital program they announced – uh, two or three years ago, whenever it was, not 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 their own fault. It's just that there's not that much money around anymore. Mm. So, I think we're going to start getting a little bit bad news from the government's capex uh, side. Uh, that I just don't think they can afford that one trillion or whatever they were planning. It was one trillion. When you dig into the detail very quickly, there, yeah. there there's big chunky numbers in there. Three hundred billion for a nuclear power station, which we haven't even begun to think yeah. if we're going to even build one. There's two hundred or three hundred yeah, billion well, for a for a high speed rail link between Johannesburg and Durban. Still nowhere, not not no, even near no, the drawing I hear board. You. That's a long long way off. But we know politicians; they love. Big headlines, big numbers, throw a bit of a party, everyone gets happy. It's not unique to our politicians. Wayne McCurry is with Momentum Wealth. MoneyWeb Market Watcher was proudly brought to you by the Graduate School of Business and Leadership at UKZN, shaping business leaders in Africa. The Graduate School of Business and Leadership at the University of KwaZulu-Natal offers a variety of programs to help you make your mark in the world of business. The interdisciplinary nature of our world-class programs enables our candidates to effectively deal with the complex challenges of an ever-changing landscape. If you're ready to make a difference, consider the university that is changing the world every day. The Graduate School of Business and Leadership at UKZN, shaping business leaders in Africa. 16 minutes after 6 o'clock, today's top story is brought to you by MTN Business. Well, Chris Becker, market strategist at ETM Analytics, joins us now. Chris, last year you published a, an interesting comparison uh, comparing the price of a King Steer burger and the price of one liter of petrol between 2002 and 2012. So comparing that 
cost across the decade. Uh, you published that on your blog, and uh, we published that or republished that on MoneyWeb.co.za. Very interesting post this morning. Uh, Steers opening in Clapham in London uh, last weekend, and uh, the prices of, of Steer burgers in the UK versus the prices here yield some very interesting comparisons. Yeah, so it, it was very interesting. I mean, Steers opened their, their London-based shop on Sunday, and uh, the price for a King Steer burger meal was £7.30, £7.29. And at the current exchange rate, that converts to a rand-based price of 111 rand. In South Africa, the same for this, for exactly the same meal, you're looking at a price of 64 rand 90, I think it is. So it's about 65 rand. Mm. So there's a, it's actually 40% cheaper to buy the King Steer burger meal in South Africa than it is to buy it in London. Um, what I wanted to draw out and the point I wanted to make on the post that I put up is to say that we've been communicating to ETM clients for a while now that we think the rand is starting to look really undervalued. And we're looking at, you know, at a rough estimate of around 15 to 20 20% undervalued against the pound sterling, the euro, and the dollar. The point I wanted to make is to say that this price difference between London and South Africa mm-hmm. of, of a Steers burger would start to compress. That price difference should start to come back as the rand strengthens over time, if it does strengthen over time. Of course, the other thing to say also is that South Africa could be South Africa could be very cheap at this stage because we're going into a high inflation environment. So the recent rand weakness that we've seen should still start to feed through to much higher prices at the retail level. And that a combination of high inflation in South Africa and the rand that starts to strengthen again from here should start to see the price discrepancy uh, squeeze narrower again. Chris, you do say in your post that it, this just remains interesting and that uh, we shouldn't read too much into this, but it, it does give us a, a an updated comparison, I guess, uh, to something like the Big Mac Index, which The Economist uh, magazine publishes uh, annually, or I think it's biannually. The the most recent update to that index was in January of this year. So we're a good couple of months down the way. Uh, the, the exchange rate they used in January was 905 to the US dollar. So already substantially weaker uh, against the dollar, and I'm guessing prices haven't moved that much. Yeah, so prices haven't had a chance to really respond. The, the currency markets tend to lead uh, and they move a lot faster. It's a lot more liquid and prices adjust quicker. So, um, you know, in that sense, uh, the RAND that moves also incentivizes and, and entices capital flows all across the world. So already some feedback we've started to see from the market, especially from foreign investors, that they, is, is that they're saying South Africa is looking really cheap. Um, in terms of investment markets. The stock market hasn't fallen that much, although it's come under some pressure in the last few weeks. The rand has fallen a lot, and this is basically signaling to foreigners that South Africa is looking really cheap now as an investment destination, and some money starting to flow back into the country. Chris, just to get back to the burger very quickly, uh, interesting side note that you do that you do post or make in that post that uh, the burger itself here in South Africa is seven and a half percent more expensive than it was uh, last year, and uh, that versus an inflation rate of somewhere around five and a half percent. Yeah, so um, I did make the point. Um, my sense is that is that the real cost of living increases are a lot higher than what Status A, for instance, is reporting. Um, you know. This little anecdote just sort of tends to confirm that um, petrol prices are also going up at a much faster rate uh, than Status A reports the overall inflation rate. But you know what we're really doing here is 
it's anecdotal stuff. It's not a rigorous analysis like mm. uh, Stats say would be doing. They crunch something like 70,000 different, different prices to come up with this uh, inflation rate. And uh, no consumer really buys that much stuff on a monthly basis. So, you know, when we're looking at things like King Steer burgers and fuel prices and uh, you know, other sort of simple commodities and goods that people buy on a on a week-to-week or day-to-day basis, um, it sort of drives home the, the things that are really important and are, that are hurting the pocket sort of quite instantly. And um, I also just wanted to make another point. Uh, you know, earlier you spoke about the uh, comparison I made between a litre of petrol and the price of a King Steer burger, those prices are both going up over time at roughly about the same rate. Mm. And so the underlying denominator to inflation is the weakening rand. Um, so it's the rand that's weakening, that's pushing up overall prices in the economy. Um, and that's what's really starting to hurt your sort of low-income earners, for instance, who are experiencing this high inflation rate who are restricted or locked out of the credit markets. They're not able to borrow and spend borrowed money to get geared and buy assets where they can actually profit from rising inflation. Mm. Um, they're locked out of that, that market, and so they then on fixed salaries or if they're unemployed, see prices running up at a much faster rate, and that then also starts to trigger all sorts of social unrest in society. So um, another consequence of this weak rand and, and you know, general prices of basic goods that people need to buy to survive that's rising faster than the overall inflation rate is that I expect to see a lot more social unrest in South Africa going forward. Chris Becker is market strategist at ETM Analytics. Now Google, Chris uh, does point out that the price of a Kingsteer burger is up 7.5% from last year when he did, uh, when he did that other comparison. Uh, between a decade before that, 2002, to last year, 2012. A King Steer burger cost 39.90 last year. What do you think it cost in 2002? Oh, gosh, if my math still uh, uh, suits me well and, and, and is accurate, what, probably around, what, 40-odd something rent now? Uh, 42.90 now. What did it cost in 2002? Oh, boy. Thanks, Hilton. <laughs> 11 rand 50. No ways. That's like uh, the equivalent of the get real, which is mm, like the, the entry mill. level. Yes, mm. the value bill. 11 rand 50 back in 2002. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Today's top story was brought to you by MTN Business. Mr. Nkuru, supply is about to exceed demand. Please switch me off. Thank you. With MTN Business ERP, your business reports directly to you meaning you can eliminate wastage and reduce your operating costs. And because it's hosted in the cloud, it's a lot more affordable to get a full resource planning system powered by SAP. Visit mtnbusiness.co.za for more info. Welcome to the new world of business. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Well, a report out from Global Energy Consultancy, the NUS Consulting Group, on electricity prices, uh, looking at 18 countries around the world. Uh, Chris Yelland of EE Publishers joins us now. Chris, South Africa in that uh, group of surveyed countries, 18 countries surveyed. We come in at number 15. Some would argue we are the 15th most expensive electricity in the world. Others might argue that we're the fourth cheapest. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think from the information presented in the article about the study, and not having seen the comprehensive study results, um, if you only survey um, 18 countries out of several hundred countries of the world, 
and look at South Africa's position in that 18, it's very hard to draw conclusions. Mm. Uh, so uh, I, I would, in looking at this list of countries surveyed, they all appear to be developed countries like um, in Europe, uh, in Australia, and, and in the United States and North America. Uh, and, and yes, we there we come uh, number 15 out of 18 uh, countries. But remember, those are developed countries. Um, it would be really much more. Uh, illuminating if we could see our position, you know, in the total list of countries of the world. So it may give a wrong picture just looking at, 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 this, uh, um, at this study. Perhaps where we've moved from and where we are now is uh, it could indicate something. We yes. have been part of the study for a number of years, and we we were rock bottom for for a good number of those years. But there is no doubt we all know that uh, South Africa's electricity prices have dramatically increased over the last five, six years. Um, I'm talking about several times, you know, like four, five, six times price increase. So uh, we have faced a massive increase. We used to be half the price of the next lowest price in the world. Um, so we were not just the lowest price, but we were half the price of the next low. So we were very, very low. Uh, we are no longer in that enviable position. Uh, we're moving up the ranks, um, and, and, and we fit somewhere, uh, you know, I guess in the middle, uh, and still increasing. Um, we, we're no longer the cheapest price of electricity in the world. Chris, what about municipal price increases? One can only assume, and, and both of us hadn't really seen the full report, so we wouldn't have seen the, the methodology behind this, but municipalities would add a margin on whatever the, the base cost or the ESCOM cost of electricity is. Mm. Um, yes, we published an interesting article on the subject um, after a presentation by the regulator. Electrical energy, that means the price of electricity, uh, the energy component from ESCOM that the municipalities incur, uh, accounts for something like 70% of a municipal electricity distributor's cost. So, um, of course, when ESCOM increases their price by 8%, uh, 70% of the municipal price will go up by 8%. Mm. The other 30% uh, is regulated by the regulator uh, and, and, you know, and comprises things like salaries, um, cost of capital, cost of equipment for refurbishing and maintenance, etc., etc. Uh, and, and the regulator has allowed a 7% increase on, the, on that 30% of, of a municipal's cost. Overall, municipal tariffs are likely to, on average, increase by about 7%, which is somewhat lower than Eskom's price increase. That is the average municipal increase. Municipalities are often perceived to have extremely high electricity prices uh, as compared to ESCOM, but really this is not true and needs further uh, you know, understanding of the situation. Chris, just to close off with the supply-demand picture currently, uh, a, a bit of a cold snap today mm. uh, as far as winter goes. We've had a fairly mild one. Uh, mm. Is the picture still finely balanced? Very finely balanced. In the last uh, three or four weeks, uh, there have been uh, occasions where Eskimo has declared that the uh, supply will not meet demand. And the way they balance supply and demand then is to exercise the interruptibility contracts uh, which they have with uh, BHP Billiton, mm. uh, which effectively gives them a 2,000 megawatt um, buffer, you might say. They, they, they are able to reduce demand by 2,000 megawatt simply by exercising uh, 
the interruptibility clauses in their contracts with the HP Militant. So the situation is very critical, and I believe that if we have a combination of bad weather coming at the beginning of the week on a Monday, uh, and perhaps one or two uh, problems on Eskom's uh, unplanned uh, uh, generation capacity, uh, un- unplanned outages on Eskom's uh, generation capacity, uh, we could go into the uh, situation of, uh, uh, of blackouts where, where Eskom asks various municipalities to shed load. Uh, and that is the, um, it's all a matter of statistics. It's a matter of probability uh, if these uh, unfortunate uh, occurrences occur simultaneously. Chris Yelland is with EE Publishers. Well, just before we close up the show for this evening, the JSE's all-share index uh, ending down 2.15% today, a day where the JSE ended at 39,169 points. A sell-off across the board. The market uh, roughly 2% weaker on the day. Gold shares down by 5%. Resources down by 3%. And, of course, this all followed the, uh, the jobs number from the U.S., uh, the weekly payrolls or monthly payrolls number rather for June, that number printing at 195,000, higher than expected, in fact far higher than what the market was anticipating. And as Wayne McCurry said earlier, uh, good news for the U.S., but bad news for emerging markets, bad news for South Africa, around 1.5% weaker at 10.17. Well, full transcripts and podcasts of tonight's show will be available on moneyweb.co.za, or if you are tech savvy, then you can download our MoneyWeb Talk app, available for free on all major app stores. Tunja your question on properties will be uh, answered next week when we speak to a property consultant to give you a more definitive answer. Well, uh, that brings us to the end of this evening's show. From myself, Hilton Tarrant. And myself, Kukuletum Fupa. Have yourselves a great weekend. We're back on Monday at 6 p.m. 6.30 exactly and time for Game Plan.